Hello, and welcome to the AI Times Automation Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Emmanuel Farajudami. Emmanuel, would you like to introduce yourself? How's it going? My name is Emmanuel Farajudami. I am an AI and automations consultant and business infrastructure consultant as well. Nice. So what tell us about more about what the what the value you provide is for businesses. I think when it comes to AI, actually just automation in general, I would say that a lot of people look at automation and they say, okay, we need to automate this so that we don't have to worry about this anymore without first checking if that thing that they're automating even works for their business. Uh, sometimes a lot of people automate things too soon, maybe too late. It's about really getting that timing correct in the business. And the reason why timing is important is because you want to figure out what's working in your business fast. So all AI and automation did was just speed up the process. But unfortunately, a lot of people started realizing that a lot of their systems and processes weren't as good as they thought. So automating it actually just sent a lot of their systems and processes in their business crashing faster than it would have in the long term, which could be a good thing sometimes as well. So that's interesting. What would be some what's an example of that? Let's say, for example, I think a lot of people wanting to or not knowing that they need to automate like the lead nurturing process, right? Getting your sales reps to engage a little quicker and sooner, right? Speed to lead. A lot of times people might be looking up something. Let's say you work in the insurance niche or something like that. Insurance isn't the thing people wake up in the morning thinking about. Sometimes they're online shopping for it at one o'clock in the morning. Now, is a sales guy going to hit them up as soon as they fill out a form and become a lead? No. This would probably be a good time to automate a message to go out to them just to keep their interest and maybe get them to schedule something. Automation would work great here just for timings purposes. So that's just an example of one, but there are so many. Yeah. So let's say I'm a business owner and I'm trying to identify what the most valuable thing is to automate. How would you approach that question? The first thing I would ask is what in your business is working really well? Like a lot of people want to automate the things that don't work. And that's the opposite of what you should do. I would first ask, what's the things that are working really well in your business so well that the people who do them or perform the tasks that go to them, we can talk to them about which parts of what they do can be automated. We just automate small things at a time. Okay. I like that. Do you have any tools that you'd recommend that you find particularly beneficial that other people should try? Yeah. For one, I think we're in a stage now where there's definitely not a lack of tools on the internet. There there are people who are coming up with tools left and right. As a matter of fact, HubSpot is probably one of my most recommended tools only just because they handle everything end-to-end business. Uh, a lot of people don't look at them as an enterprise tool which is interesting because they are definitely the tool that you could use to go enterprise. <laughs> I would recommend HubSpot as a tool, go high level as another tool, a little bit more of a cheaper option. And just any, it, it's going to depend on what your business's strategy is and what you're trying to do. But if we're talking about email automations or SMS automations or anything that would automate a communication, there's so many different tools that you can use. That's great. Yeah, I love, I think most of my texts every month are from myself because of different automation stuff that I do, especially like reminders for things and just keeping track of everything. Yeah. It is really helpful. What what's, about, yeah, go ahead. What I was going to say, what's interesting about AI and automation is that I think everybody thinks it's new, but the truth is it's just been a lot more commoditized. And anything, any, anytime anything's been commoditized or been made available to the public or just for masses of people, my first thoughts are always, okay, who's the first person to have this thing and what are they doing with it now? And you'll find that like automation is just like everywhere. What would you be using it for? We have all these cool little things that we're coming up with use cases to sub automation in for. But then when you think about your life, like, like you just mentioned how you get text messages from yourself, but even think about like how you've automated, how you wake up. That's just as simple as setting an alarm on your phone. That's a form of automation because you know what time of day you need to wake up. So it's, but you can see now, like even when I make it that simple, it's just about finding the things that are consistent that you want it to keep being consistent and then finding a form of automation to automate that thing that you need to be consistent.
How does AI play into automation? You could almost say that AI makes automation smart, right? AI is the thing that art of, it's artificial intelligence, right? So it's intelligent data that you're getting in an artificial way or just finding some way of capturing the data so that you can make the automation smarter. For example, right? If I always send emails to you and you never open them, right? That this is the automation is you getting the emails. The AI is going to tell me, hey, Alex doesn't open your emails. You should probably like just stop contacting this guy. What I'm saying is that the AI is letting me know the metrics coming from this action that's happening. So AI is different from automation, but when you have AI automations, that's when we start to develop really self-developing systems that allow you to get data that will allow you to make different decisions about things that are being automated or things that are coming from the data that you're getting so that you can automate something else. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's AI almost has taken the majority of simple tasks that you would need to program and it already has them built in yeah. and we can expand that programming in a natural language way input and get it to do even more. But I think that it's interesting how AI has already achieved a lot of really basic reasoning abilities, just in terms of like what you said, really good for identifying anomalies, anything that sticks out, tracking performance. I'm curious, how do you think AI will continue to develop in, in this way? I think when we talk about development and AI development, we're talking about artificial intelligence, right? It's only going to develop as much as the person who's prompting or developing, right? AI in general, if our questions, like the people who are really engaging with AI, if the questions that we ask AI get better, AI is going to get better. So the, 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 the more we use AI to not do things for us, but to help us think, the more that we will get AI to do more things for us. I used to, when ChatGPT first dropped, like when it just became a very public thing, I used to tell people, if you're still the type that's using ChatGPT to ask questions like, do dogs dream? Yeah, you're not going to get a very healthy and great use of AI and its capabilities. However, if you're asking very intelligent questions and getting the AI to string pieces of data together from the questions you're asking it, you're going to start getting some really interesting insights towards what you're asking AI to do for you. So AI development, in my opinion, and where it goes from here is going to be really, it's going to be steered by one, our own questions and the problems that we, the users need help solving for sure. And as you can see, there are a lot of different, one problem needs to the next problem. So a lot of people are, are really finding very intricate ways of using AI. Now, I know when AI dropped, there was this whole thing of, oh, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. And then, of course, you saw the, the rebuttals like, no, people aren't going to lose their jobs. People who know how to use, they're going to lose their jobs to people who know how to use AI. And while that might be true, one of the other things that we have to do is create jobs with everything that's new. Nothing's new under the sun. Like I said, AI is not new. But if we're not using it to create jobs or even enable people to do their jobs better, then we're not solving the right problems. In my opinion, I would look at all the jobs that AI would probably eradicate, right? And I would probably figure out why and how AI would take this job and then go teach the people who are doing the job how to use AI for to enable them to do their jobs a lot better. And what you get is one, a very enabled workforce for sure. Two, will people still feel like paying these people as much as they're paying now that they have this cool tool that can just do it for them? No, but the other thing is these people who are now using AI for the function that they use it, one, they have practical experience. So while people, we create things all the time, but we don't really know what we're creating. We don't know that what we've created is being used for different things. A lot of people are not paying attention to what things are anymore. They're paying attention to the function of what it does. And then when you can really capture that, man, and you enable somebody to use it well for the purposes that it was made and then some, Man, you get a practical experiences and who knows this person, instead of working here anymore, they just, they learned a new skill. 
if you do have to let them go, hey, they have a new skill. They learned some new technology. They could probably start a business training people on how to use AI for this thing. And now this is how we create jobs. This is how we create forward motion in the AI space. Just every company is a tech company now. Like you have to look at it like that and you have to mm -hmm. accept and embrace it. Like when schools start, you can't use chat GPT on these assignments and things like that. Okay. Maybe we've gotten better tools. Maybe it's time to make school a little bit more challenging to get people to think a little bit more about the way they use tools to help them with these things. Nobody complained when mathematicians first got the calculator, right? Oh, you can do math with this device now. So you shouldn't be allowed to use the device. No, we just found a way to integrate using the device for the problems that we give it. AI is not, it's, it's the same. People have different problems and can ask AI different questions. Maybe it's time we started making our questions a little bit more thought provoking to get people to see, search for more layered answers with what they're looking for and the problems they need to solve. My only worry is that when it comes to critical thinking, it's not possible for an AI to have its own perspective that is not biased. And I guess it's impossible for humans too, people mm -hmm. too. AI is biased by the information that is fed to it. So the risk is that it promotes more similar thinking rather than divergent thinking because it it's not exactly like how we work. Like it doesn't have genuine inspiration. Like humans, we have the, a genuine ability to think about new concepts outside of the schema of what we know. I don't think AI is quite the same. I, I think maybe it will evolve. And I think that's what Elon's new chat GPT rival, whatever it's called, Dojo or something like that, where he's trying to give it a different background, different inputs so that it can rival the chat GPT. I think that's interesting, but I, I definitely think it's dangerous to, to integrate AI into schools, at least right now, mm -hmm. just because we want kids to think very differently. But if they're, it's, it's unlike a calculator in that way, a mm -hmm. calculator is more one dimensional in its value, but chat GPT has the ability to replace a lot of the thought processes that you might have when you're coming up with an essay or something, or when I yeah. ask it something, it's going to give me the thinking part, uh, the brainstorming part. But that output, as, as lengthy as it may be, is still confined to what the AI has been fed in terms of what it can say, what it should say, what it thinks is the truth. Mm -hmm. And the last few years have taught us that what, whatever that mainstream opinion is, it has to be challenged. It has, we have to think, how is this wrong? How can we dissect this and understand it better? So I guess that would be a key, that, that's a possible problem yeah. with, with education and AI. Now, I, this is just so you know, this is, I've, I love this conversation, like this topic in particular. Because there, there, we can go back and forth. And man, if you got three hours to kill, I'd love to do that with you. Because I, I think about how school was for me growing up. I think about my nieces and nephews going through school now and the things that they have to do in school, the things that they're learning. Oh, can you help me with my homework? And I'm like, yeah, I can. And I'll just look at what they're learning and how they're learning things. Or even college people in, in doing research papers, term papers. And there's this really in, very insightful study coach. I shouldn't just call him a study coach. He's so, so much more than that. His name is Justin Sung. And he's got a couple things on YouTube teaching people how to use uh, ChatGPT to help them study, right? This thing shouldn't, you shouldn't be looking for answers with ChatGPT, mainly because of the reasons that you just spoke of, right? If you think about all of us using ChatGPT and everybody's got the same information, what creates the insights for us to seek new information, right? And that's why when you change how you're using it, instead of using ChatGPT to do things for you or think for you, you're actually help using ChatGPT as a collaborator on how you should be thinking about this thing. Now, even with when it comes to human programming, right? Neurolinguistic programming, 
what's interesting is that if I ask you a particular set of questions in a certain succession, your mind will actually answer according to the succession of the questions. That's just how it goes, right? You remember the little game we used to play when we were, like you would ask somebody questions or how do you spell stop? S-T-O-P. How do you spell spoon? S-P-O-N. Oh, yeah. What do you do with a green light? And then everybody says, you stop. No, you go. And it's you don't realize that what's happening is the questions and the order that the questions were asked is what caused you to respond that way. And mm-hmm. AI is the same way. It's artificial intelligence. So based on open up a chat GPT thread right now, and if you start asking a certain succession of questions, it's programmed to that conversation now. If you open a new one, ask the same topic, but a different set of questions in a different order, you're actually going to get some different responses. Now, I'm not saying that you won't land after a period of time, you won't land in the same general answers that ChatGPT would give you. But think about now how the questions you've asked are what's really steering the conversation. And even us with our human cognition, I know this is where we're probably, but AI is about learning, right? Whether it's machine learning or just the way we learn and the way people are creating more and more AI, they're creating it based on their own learning modules, the way that they learn and people learn in so many different ways. But if you think about it, when we learn, even the way that we take in information, sales, the way that sales is taught, how you have to do things because you're going against a lot of human behavioral stuff when it comes to learning. And there are things that the person who's teaching has to be mindful of. With AI, it's a little bit different. However, the questions that you ask yourself, the truth is your focus, even in life, it doesn't change. Your focus, Alex, does not change. What happens is the questions you ask yourself start to change your focus. So if you decide I'm going to be a podcaster, you're going to start asking yourself podcasting questions. And this is what's going to help you focus on what you need to be creating. But then you're going to say, why does my mic sound like this? Now you're asking yourself mic questions for your podcast. Now you get into understanding how to get a really good mic setup, a really good video setup. But you're asking yourself these questions. But then if you ask yourself the question of why is that person's podcast doing better than me? Or why, why are they getting these numbers and I'm not getting these numbers? Why are they getting these views and I'm not? Now, see, the questions you're asking, they just shift your focus in the lane that you're in. But that gets dangerous because the more and more questions you ask that don't put you you know, in the direction that you want, you're just falling off the path. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because it's this AI is the same way. If you're asking yourself the right wrong questions that you need AI to produce for you, you're not going to learn anything from what it's trying to teach you, which is why I'm like, when it comes to school, for example, right, are we teaching people how to write papers or are we teaching people how to think or are we teaching people how to find answers? Now, obviously, the last one is not what you want to do. But then in some cases, the last one is what you want to do, right? Like me as a solutions engineer, a lot of the things that I have to fact find and it's finding the information. Once you get to the information, it's a lot and it's probably very complex. And then I have to collaborate with ChatGPT to help me distill this and really take out the valuable points in this for the stakeholders that I might be talking to for the reasons they need to understand this. There's a couple different uses, a couple different questions that I have to ask, and a couple different things I might have to prompt G- tap GPT to give me an artificial intelligent way of distilling this thing that I found into a valuable piece of information for the stakeholder provided. So. Yeah, I think distillation is a big value of AI. I certainly use it that way yeah. as well. For this podcast, for all the intro calls, I used to have to take notes manually and I, was, I would take 10 a week or something. So it, it's not insignificant in terms of effort to write everything down. And then I got a note taker. Yeah. And it not only takes all the information and summarizes it, but I also have a prompt that asks it to come up with questions and all sorts of other things to add to the podcast. And, and on top of it, in the video editing tool that I use with AI, it can create a summary of the video that you just edited which is interesting. Uh, We're starting to get into AI looking at video and larger Mm. media formats, which previously it was just text and now it's expanding a little bit. And I think it just does it through like understanding the transcription, but still it's starting to be applied to greater computing tasks. 
And it's, it also, it's great for asking questions and wanting to just get a really quick answer about something, especially when it's not like political. If it's just like a very basic question that you might have that you would otherwise Google, and it just tells you, here's, here's how it works. I, I think the last question I asked was something related to Amish people or something. Yeah, I was just curious. And it told me. It had the answer right away. Yeah. So that that is useful, it is how it can summarize pages and pages of information in a really short amount of uh, space. Do you feel like that skill needs to be developed? Do, do you think that in any way we are weaker if we use AI for the, these things? Not at all. I, th I think it, it's enabling. Right. And it's it's it should enable you like you, you the things you just mentioned, you use it for. These are not small things at all. Right. And it enables you to get a lot more done a lot quicker so that you're thinking about the next thing. And that's what it's for, I think. So it shouldn't make you weaker. It's it only makes you weaker if you're getting if you're using AI to do too many things for you where to the point where you just don't even have to think anymore, then you have the law of diminishing returns is definitely set in. Like you should be, it should be enabling you to do more or do the next thing, not for it to do everything for you because there still needs to be a synthesizer, right? Like you have to be the synthesizer after everything is done. You're still the person that kind of wraps it all up in a bow and makes sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do when you need it to do it. Right. Like when you take the notes down for the summarized podcast and you're like, okay, I'm going to ask these questions. I'm going to make sure this is for this goes here. And this was done for me so that I can do this. Yeah. Should make you strong. I think, AI is, so I, I think we have, as a human race, we have a little bit of a problem with over leveraging ourselves in a technological oh, yeah. sense, similar yeah. to the Egyptians. They've had some very advanced technology that we don't even know about today, lost to history. And the problem is that when you build technology on top of technology, at some point it gets lost, like yeah. how you even got there. And we we are now like on a little life raft, like really far out into the water. And we've left the days of being able to build what we need and be able to build a log cabin and do basic survival things. Now it's hard for me to navigate uh, because I just use my phone to navigate everywhere. I don't think that makes me stronger. Okay. I think it does make us more advanced, mm -hmm. but it's like walking, it's like going further and further out into the water. And I, and I fear that AI is the last step where we'll never see the shore because it now has all of that basic stuff programmed. So you really don't have to know any of the basic, maybe survival skills or basic whatever, because AI has it. But then what happens if the AI goes away one day? What happens if in 20 years the AI goes away? And we've all become super dependent on it. And then it's there's a hack or something and it's gone. Yeah. I, I think it actually poses quite a risk. Now, in, are you only referring to the dependency of it? Depending on it. Yeah, I, th I think if we depend. So like some of the statements you made is, I definitely agree with you in the sense that we've grown a little bit of a dependency on just the way we've been advancing. But is if that's, is that the only like kind of dimension that you're seeing? It's not, right? So we do get more productive in terms mm -hmm. of being able to create more. We get more advanced. The computing becomes, the chips become smaller, the batteries get better. We are improving and advancing, but it's almost, there's a natural limit to organic progress. And if we exceed that for too much and too long, we are at risk of imploding as a society because we need, we should be building incrementally. We should be building much slower in my opinion than we are. Like everybody's all about new, better, faster. That's like our consumer driven world. But that has gotten us to the age of what's it called? Manufactured obsolescence, which is just the proliferation of low cost, largely poorly or cheaply engineered products that are meant to be replaced more often. 
I personally think we should bring back a lot of the engineering that we used to have in like the 90s. A lot, a lot of people, myself included, at our family home have a old refrigerator sitting in the garage and a dryer from 20 years ago that works better than my dryer uh, that I have in, in my apartment. It, it just dries much better, doesn't have any problems, much fewer parts, not really digital, it's analog. One day we won't ha have any more of those old dryers and we'll only have the new ones. And that's the problem is that we're not, we're not keeping the past and preserving the things that worked. We're just painting over it and painting over it. And eventually we lose track of what actually worked that we could build ourselves. And now we're in the age of these microprocessors and everything that we really can't build ourselves. This is true. I think I, I wouldn't want to say the development of technology is slow. Cause are you saying that the development of technology is blinding us to what's working and what has continued to work? So there's no need for some of this stuff. It's just excessive. Blinding us on what has worked. It's more like technology is evolving in an unsustainable way where one okay. day it's possible that we lose track. There's some big thing, like if there's like a major weather disaster and all of the cars and all the factories are not working anymore, what will, we would need to revert to, we would be back in like the stone age. We wouldn't be back in like the fifties. We would go back much further because we don't have, you and I, the majority of people don't have the skills that it would take to rebuild a society of the 1950s. We would be back to the, the Stone Age. Like that's the sad, that's the scary part is that we don't have like in a video game, you have a saved progress, but we haven't saved our progress. So I want to like, what I would love is if we cornered, we took like a section of Montana or something that's not really populated. And we said, within these limits, it's going to be like the Truman Show. It's going to be like its own little civilization that only uses technology from like the 80s and 90s. And it's frozen in time. And they manufacture things like they did then. They have all the information they had then and preserved. And that way, if we do have some kind of a disaster, we have all these analog technologies that are protected that can be that are manufactured by these people and it would all be subsidized and i i think we should do that that's one of my out there political platforms that yeah. i believe in it's there these stores are out there there are people who preserve like the analog life some of the old tools don't get me wrong as a matter of fact the speakers i'm using in my office here i've got eight speakers in here i this is also a music studio but these speakers are from like the 90s. They're very good. They still work very well. Obviously, you've got newer stuff, but I think it's always going to come down to the person and the problem that they're solving. If a very high-tech weather channel, if they're things that they use to detect weather and give the report on the weather, if all that stuff works and then something someone comes in the market and says, we've got this new thing that helps weather people more accurate. <laughs> Nobody can ever trust the weather. <laughs> and so <laughs> we know that. And so now we've made this thing. And if you guys use this, you'll be better. If a weather channel feels like they do pretty well, they might not buy that thing. They might not need that thing. They might not. So things are getting preserved. But the here's what might be happening, in my opinion, just as far as this conversation goes. It's the marketing for faster, better. This stuff, thinking that we need some of this stuff, some of this stuff has altered the way we look at products, the way we look at technology, the way we, why do people buy the same iPhone year after year? And I'm not saying that because I'm an Android user. It's just actually like when I look at my phone and the things I needed to do, yeah, I'm good. You get to a point where you stop caring about the new features and you just care for functionality. And this is what we're talking about now. Like, AI being used to serve a particular function versus doing something for you or just being new. There's a difference. There's a oh man, there's so much new technology every single day. And I promise some of these people who start these companies, they're not going in thinking, I want to do better than the person, the last person who came out with this thing. The, their mindsets are really just, I'm trying to solve this problem. And I found out this cool way that I can, this unique way of solving this problem. And now we have to turn to the sales and marketing people to find people that best fit the criteria to meet the needs of this product. 
that's who should we should be selling to. But what ends up happening is to make more money, we start to frame these things to be used in different ways that we don't need. I watched a movie the other day with my wife where this guy was, he's, it was like tech enabled house. He's yeah, my house is so cool. Check this out. He had an automated shower door opener. And it was just, bro, what's the, <laughs> so I don't have to grab the door. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> you, you start to think, man, look at everything else that we just started building things for. That's just completely unnecessary. It takes you back to that Disney movie, Wally. Where it's look at what we've become because yeah. we just stopped caring. I think what's interesting about AI automation and the conversations I've been having lately, the most insightful conversations that I've been having come from, hey, what should we probably think about not automating? And it's very interesting because mm. everybody, people don't, they think of everything that they wouldn't automate and then find something that they would automate in that thing. And it's like, where shouldn't we be using AI? Where shouldn't we be using automation? What are some of the things we probably still should be doing? And this is what leads to this conversation. Wait a minute, because I want to make sure that I know how to change a tire in 50 years. I don't want to be that guy. Then you start thinking about your own life and the things you need this thing to function for you, for your business, your whatever you do. Like, how does AI help? It doesn't have to help in all of the ways. Just there are tools for some for the tool man. I'll say, if you know what you're yeah. doing, AI helps you as a tool to help you do that thing better. But this is why I'm a very big, I'm very big on enabling, using an AI to enable you. But by the time you use AI to do everything for you, you're, I thought the journey was the destination, not you getting here and then setting up shop and sitting down and relaxing. Like retirement itself is not about just doing nothing. You can't do nothing. You have to do, you just do something else. Yeah. I think one thing to thinking about your question about what shouldn't be automated. I think one of the one thing for me, the first thing I thought of was any political messaging. So mm. I'm running oh, for yeah. a local county board and I have to come up with what's my platform. And I thought maybe I can ask ChatGPT to come up with some ideas or to maybe phrase it or build the copy. And then I thought that's, first of all, it's not very genuine. And Second, what if my opponent looks at, runs it through like a AI, because they have a check, like you can plug some text in and see if AI wrote it or if a person wrote it. And what does it say to the people that you're representing that you don't even put in the time to write your own statement and that you're taking a shortcut for that? So I think any kind of messaging that's really important that like somebody who's representing you absolutely should be from the person to the, the audience directly, not with this middleman AI. So that's the first thing that came to mind. It's like anything that's really important to be written should be written by a person. And even in that sense, using AI or ChatGPT to one, address the needs of people in general, like you're telling me that you're addressing my needs from this artificial piece of intelligence that is telling you that this is my problem when I'm in your face telling you what my problem is and I'm asking you how you're going to solve it. Being able to, even using AI for this, I think it, it wouldn't be good to use AI for that. I think it'd be good to get insights from historical knowledge that AI might be able to give you about this person needs and how maybe it's been solved in the past and why it probably hasn't working been working to the point that this person still has these problems or this county has this problems, these problems, and you need to figure out or create some insights to help you. This is where chat becomes a collaborator, not the person writing it. But that's what I mean about you still need to be the synthesizer. Someone who this person just says the school system in this county has been garbage for a while. And you look at the historical data of why and the test scores and things like that. All this just becomes insight for you to now address the situation, not for you to write me a piece on how to solve education in this county and have it on my desk by Monday so I can read it to the constituents. Yeah. I think maybe the best use of AI, one of the best uses could be to use it to build, to build time capsules or to build these life rafts in case it goes poorly. Use the AI to, like before it goes bad, you use the AI to, for instance, build factories that produce 
some of our basic necessities in an analog way, like to totally without any microprocessors. That is possible. We used to have yeah. tons of factories with, before we had microprocessors, which in my opinion is that's where I draw the line of we, we can build it. If we, if all goes bad, we can still build technology up until the microprocessor. We could get copper and refine it and forge it. Like th that stuff is like a little bit more believable to me that we can bounce back from as long as we have that. If all we're depending on is like, we'll have to keep building computer chips for us to survive with our technology and we have no, it's that or nothing. That's the, that's a kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, but I think AI will help with that. We just have to use it, you know, responsibly. Yeah. And, and use it backwards looking. It's not just forwards looking. It's also like, how can we use this to protect ourselves and have a, a safety net for our technology? I think technology in general is advancing. So as AI advance, I know one of the things becoming more and more prominent and more common amongst like my colleagues, for example, I know I, st I just started studying quantum physics. And it's interesting to understand like one learning, creating things being created out of nothing and out of something else and really drilling down like the specific functions of things and combining them with other things to create more things. Quantum computing itself is probably something that's probably going to be the next. So after AI, once once we've all gotten our best use cases of AI, I, I really do believe that the next shift in technology is going to be more focused on just quantum engineering, because now it's using AI and the artificial intelligence from data that you get and being able to synthesize that data like super fast with quantum computers. I think Google just came out with they're they're, they're promoting their new quantum computer. A lot of people are investing into quantum technology now only because there's so many now that we have great things to learn from AI is really cool. The next thing is going to be, okay, being able to do something with the data that AI gives us at a very efficient rate, super, super fast. I do think that's going to be the next thing. So the, even the computer chips that you're talking about, the microprocessors, they're about to be quantum processors and they're about to be lightning fast. Yeah. In my opinion, we should build those on the moon <laughs> and just have it beam the stuff back. I'm all about what if, because I, I don't know if you feel this way, but when you see the world as you get older, some people say it's all a script. I would be more worried if it wasn't Ooh. because there's so much free will. There's so many weapons. There's so many ways to hurt. Yeah. And if everybody is just doing whatever they want, it's pretty amazing that yeah. we're still in such a good place as a society. So that's the angle I've been thinking about a lot recently. You When you, when you think about... Clear? And that's, there's this movie on Netflix right now. It's Leave the World Behind. Have you seen it yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's funny about like the message of that movie, or this is, I know I'm just speculating at this point, but my own opinion, I think when I got to the end of the movie, the point of the movie to me was that we put so much faith into the people who are pulling the strings for us. And then by the time you go searching and get to the end of, to see who's really pulling the strings, the answer is no one. Like, no one's pulling the strings. It's just a group of people that are making decisions. What happens when those people just stop liking each other? Like the checks and balances, even here in this country, like there are checks and balances for a reason. But trust me, if you get enough votes of all of your like-minded people to be on the checks and balances, there's only one check at that point. So the point is, who runs this? Everything that was once decentralized or everything that is centralized was once decentralized, right? Like even things that are happening with cryptocurrency right now, oh, we can still look at that as a decentralized market. But trust me, people are going to start finding problems that this solves and then needing to come in and use it for a particular reason. And once more and more people start finding these reasons that they need to use it for, you'll start to see rules and regulations coming out to help guide this process. So everything is in its evolved state. But the truth is, it's just a person there making up the rules and it's just a bunch of people. So even as we go through this, as we're trying to regulate and centralize AI and the use of AI in different regards, it's just a bunch of people that are going to look at the biggest problems that it pre presents and then just decide, okay, here are the rules. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what happens with AI. I, one of the things I think they're going to do is probably make it illegal to own your own AI. I wouldn't um, be surprised, actually. 
because it's similar to the ghost guns. Like 3D printers came out and then they were like, oh, we could print our own guns. And the government was like, no, you can't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it took some time. It wasn't immediate. And so yeah. that, I think that's going to happen with AI. They're going to be like, you can't make your own AI. Yeah. It's like, it's not even just, but even thinking about like when you give, that's why I said, think about the, I always think when something's been commoditized, who's the first person that had this thing and what are they doing with it now? Even your car, right? You can't just mod your car however you want. There are rules now. Like maybe somebody got their first hot rod and was like, I'm just going to mod this thing to crap. And then they had this beast of a machine and they put that thing on the road and it caused so many problems for other cars that it was just like, hey, you, you can't mod your car this way, that way, or this way. You get a gun, you can't just mod your firearm however you want to mod it, even if you do have a license to carry it. So it's one thing happens and then you have the next thing, right? Like in business, the FCC just passed the law now about marketing and you can't just send text messages to whoever you want now. So even the way like automation has changed the scope of how we market now, we're already starting to see the effects. Like automations have just become a thing when it comes to nurturing leads so much that look, we now have to pass a law that says, hey, once somebody comes a lead, you can't just text them because they became a lead. You you need permission to ask them that. Same thing for when marketing tech became a thing. You can't just dump leads into your CRM. You have to have legally obtained those leads by their own permission or and volition. You can't just say, oh, this person is a lead or I paid for this lead list. They can go into my CRM now. That's you can't do that. Actually, that's illegal. One thing yeah. solves the next problem. For example, another thing, every, everybody thinks they need more customers, for example. So you see all these a. Uh, bot setting, appointment setting bots just popping up out of nowhere, these companies that do that. Great companies, great tool, great efficient use of AI and how to appointment set and things like that. But now that problem is solved. A lot of businesses actually don't need, they're realizing they actually don't need, like, because in a lot of these industries, you can just buy leads, right? So that means that like leads are not the problem. Otherwise, this becomes a game of who can buy the most leads. And then everybody would be rich. That's not the problem. The problem is people's infrastructure and their systems after they get the lead. And now they're using AI to try to solve each and every problem and step after that. But look at what AI did. We solved the appointment setting problem. 2023 was just everybody just realized, oh, I can just get an appointment setting bot and that, that's done very soon. And now we see our first law saying, hey, you can't just text and call people as soon as they become a lead. Like, why do you why are you doing that? next mm -hmm. it's just going to be the next problem or the next law to put in place with these things as they come what i love is the hypocrisy <laughs> it's for the small guys that that that's who's being impacted but a company like instagram can send you a hundred notifications in a day and without any problem because they have a lot of lawyers who are able to find ways around all of the laws and this is one of my standing beliefs is that there privacy regulation is created not to protect the privacy of individual people but to protect the profitability of companies that own large amounts of data Very and true. prevent them from having to share it and allow them to sell it yeah and and that's very interesting that it's it says it's privacy they say it's a privacy law but then all of our information is still getting out there in high fidelity and is being hacked more than ever before. Yeah. So I don't know what privacy regulation even means. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100% because it, it gets, the lines do get blurred. Think of a, uh, I shouldn't, uh, I don't want to, well, it's Facebook. Think of Facebook and just everything. They own WhatsApp, they own Instagram. And when you do these, like the agreements that you agree to for the three of them, they're all different. And then you can also roll it all up into one and say, no, they all abide by the same rules that you would abide by if you did have a Facebook or something. But they're all they all have their own intricate ways of describing what their what privacy means to their platform. And when you start platform hopping man, you're actually just you don't even know what data you're leaking into their system and then what gets wrapped up and put in a bow for this marketer to now hit you with the, are you sure you don't want more clients? <laughs> so exactly. you started a business friend. Do you want, want some, <laughs> some help getting more leads? <laughs> yeah. That's, it's such a common business these days. 
what else are you going to do with the data though? If it's, uh, and I, I, I don't want to say I don't, it's not that I, I'm a marketer at heart myself. It's, we need it. Like it's, it, it helps us find the things we're looking for online. But like you said, right? Like what is privacy now? Like the minute I'm, because I'm on your platform, you are allowing me to do X, Y, and Z. So this means that you should be allowed to do X, Y, and Z. And you don't know what you're agreeing to most of the time, which is why there's speculation around what does privacy even mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's intentionally obfuscated. And I, I don't see, I don't see an end in sight. I, I think it's just going to keep going. Like we'll, no. more and more of our data will be shared under the guise of increase w- with increasing privacy. Reg- they're going to increase the privacy regulation and our data is going to be shared more. Somehow that's what's going to happen. And and don't forget the, the data that they're collecting is getting smarter with AI. <laughs> so we'll, we'll know we, oh, we yeah. can put like the insights. I, I think that AI's true power is the insights from that you get when you see two pieces of data together, right? Like you don't look at two things, you look at two things objectively and separately, but when you see them together, trust me, new ideas come about. And when the computer starts recommending things to you, you don't realize how sucked in you get to, because everything is your thing. Like even when AI first, remember when Pandora was like a first thing, like back when I was in like, I don't know, high school, it was just cool to be that, I could select a song and the next 10 songs would have me saying, wow, this is my song. Oh, I love this song. Oh, I love this song. And that is a form of artificial intelligence, just using data that it gets from these songs and pairing them up to what's similar so that it knows what to play next for you. And even that alone, it just shows you how easily, forgive me for using this word, but manipulated it can be. And you don't realize that's just with music. Imagine now we're talking about with your thoughts, the things you watch on TV, you're watching Hulu and an ad for hymns come up and you're like, wait a minute, I don't need that stuff. Why is this coming up? And you just, oh, I guess the majority of men around in my area just happened to be maybe this, they thought this applied to me. And then you get conversion. I just learned about this thing, conversion theory. Like when you start to believe things in your mind that don't affect you, but because you've been manipulated to seeing these things and the data and the algorithms have just said, push these things in front of you. Now you don't even have control of your own thoughts. Like it's, that's how far it goes in my mind. And it does bring up some problems, but if you can just remain self-aware and use things for what you need them for, You'll never need to take more than what you need. I do believe that when it came to exchanging value, the barter system, what really plagued us as human beings was when we started having room to take more than what we needed. At first, it was people were just bartering just based on things that they needed. Okay, this guy has food. I've got this. I can trade this and he can give me food. And unfortunately, when people started building plethora of stuff, it just became available for them to take more than what they needed. And even now with technology, we build things unnecessarily. And then it just makes us believe that we need this thing. Your comment earlier about just not knowing how to navigate without your phone. I'll be honest. I've been in, I, I just moved here to Nashville two years. And that's wild that I can say it's two years. And I still don't know my way around the city. Like I have people ask me, where do I live? And I'm like, that place uh, off this road, I think it's called this. I don't even know that. I just turn on my GPS. Then someone asked, like one of my nephews asked, what was life like before GPS? And I was like, that wasn't that long ago. And I I was actually alive to, to say that wasn't around. So it made me wonder, like, how would I be getting around right now? Because I don't think I'd be the type to print out directions and be in my car. Turn left at what street? Did I miss it? Jeez. Couldn't yeah. imagine. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember actually seeing the first, I think it was an iPod Touch at like an AT&T store too. And I remember zooming in and out of the map and I didn't even realize that GPS was its own network that like was like, that's why it was like pulling up the map or something. I don't know. It, it was really cool um, to see. And I was like very young and we've gotten so far from that. But I, I think it was really the iPhone that ushered in a completely new era of technology. I think that was like the that was the moment. It was like 2008. 
and we were, it was like technology is indistinguishable before and after. Yeah. And it, it, crazy. It, it's I think my new kick that I've been telling people about now is I think in order to really understand like problems that need to be solved to really make the best use of the technology that we have today, you really do have to understand time, right? Like understanding time will help understand, put things into perspective, but a lot of people don't really understand the way time works. Like we think time, if this is you here, right? And this is maybe future. You think that you travel to this person and become the future you. That's actually not how time works. And this is now we're getting into quantum physics a little bit. But the way time actually works is if this is you, what happens is time actually, it doesn't exist past what's happening right now, right? What happens is if you say, I'm going to be Alex, I'm going to be, what's the role that you're campaigning for right now? Lake County Board. Okay. If you're all, if you're saying I'm going to be Alex, I'm on the Lake County board, right? You might think that what are the things I have to do to get myself to that version of me? That's actually not how that works. Because only what's happening right now is happening right now. What actually has to happen is you, Alex, need to start making decisions right now in that direction to attract that version of you to you right here. Mm. Now, with that being, that's because that means that everything you do. Every time you do something that puts you like that would reverence this version of you that's here, if you do that to the best of your ability, every moment that you have to do that, by the time that time gets here, you will be him. Now, knowing how that works, let's talk about time and the way people solve problems. During World War II, for example, one of the things a lot of people who were making money were actually the newspapers and the newsboys who were selling papers on the corner. Why? People needed to know what was going on. There was no other way for them to understand what was going on. In the And sometimes they were marked their, in the night. We're talking about the 1920s, right? Or even the, the, the Great Depression and World War II, just things where you needed to know what was going on because everything was just so bad, right? What happened was sometimes the papers would even mark themselves up like $10. $10 in the 1920s for newspapers, ridiculous. Actually, right now it's, it would be ridiculous. But still, yeah. the point that I'm making is, People needed to know what was going on. Those newspaper boys, they were solving a problem and they were giving information to the masses. What does that look like today? Same problem, same industry, same. It might not be the papers. Now it's the platforms, right? Twitter is the new cornerstand news. You open up, you read the tabloids, you read the what's going on in the world because it's the quickest way to get that done. This is why creators on platforms get paid so much and get reverenced so much by the platforms because they're keeping people engaged on the platform. And this goes to show you, like, the longer they stay on there, now we're talking about like user data that they get just from being on the platform longer and longer. The point that I'm making, though, is this that problem was still, that was the problem, just getting information. Now that problem is solved with Twitter. It went from newspaper stand to Twitter and a couple different other ways that people distribute information. So now even the distribution of information has its own infrastructure with sales funnels, marketing funnels, right? Marketing your blog or marketing your newsletter to particular people that are interested in the topic that you talk about. So the same problems are still being solved. See, time problems don't go with time. It's just the person with the problem and the tools and resources available right now. Because if I had a problem right now where I wanted to figure out what's going on with the war in Israel, you understand? I would have to, I would just check Twitter. Or I would just look it up. How would I have found that out back then? Newspaper. That was the solution during that time. So we're just in different times, but the problems people are trying to solve are still the same. And this brings me back to AI. Like, if you think about the problems you have, that's the problem that AI can solve for you. But when you start thinking of unnecessary things to use AI for, now we're going into a lot of land for no reason and building unnecessary things. And then we just have a overzealous, robust technological community of people doing things with technology that just serves no purpose. Like sex robots. Here we go. <laughs> Very bad. Too yeah. much. Too far. Yeah. I don't this is another one. I was in an AI group, an AI automation group. And a lot of these guys were saying, like, no, like you can actually make a lot of money 
doing just building these robots for people or building just automated text messages for people to have text buddies or sex buddies uh, with AI. And I was just like, man, what are the cons here? Definitely just not being able to get real human interaction, maybe a false facade of just how this actually works, how to actually talk to women or men, no matter what. But then I thought about, are those problems that we have now? The truth is, yeah, they are problems that we have now. Now, obviously, this doesn't help. How would these people be, the people who would buy this stuff, how would they be solving their problems with these things today? And the truth is, they would probably just hire sex workers or escorts or something like that. Now, building this new piece of technology does not help, but you can see how it's still solving their problem with the resources that they have today. So it's just the same. It's just a different way of solving the same problem someone has. Yeah. Or like the AI influencers. I love who, those guys. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like you can just make an attractive person and give them an Instagram that's completely fake run it and make a bunch of money on it. It feels like I'm very interested. I'm I'm always more interested in the people that follow them. I'm more yeah. interested in them. This is interesting to you. This is what are they doing? What do they do for you? I just love how empowering they are. I'm like, "Really? This is this is a fake person." It's like, but they give me yeah. hope. And I, I I who am I to judge? If they make you feel something and they but now we are understand this though they're able to do that alex with data it's because of the data that they have that they're just creating what people want and it's just interesting to me because now me as a producer i'm looking from that angles you guys know that this is fake like they just made all of this up and so they give me hope and they they make me understand me a lot better and how do they do that they talk about this and this and then you just look at how alike or how aligned they are, not just with the person that's with this artificial influencer and the group of people that also follow them. And you're just like, whoa, man, copywriting is dangerous because once you can program AI and you're just really good at copy, man, you could really influence people just nothing. Like now you start to get scared of, man, what if somebody just decides to just build cults because of data they can use? Artificial a new artificial Hitler or something is just, whoa, like, where are we going with ideology? And the ideology is not based on ideology that it's coming up with it by itself. It's just ideology that somebody behind a screen is just programming and saying, okay, if people like this, then say this or say more of that or ask more questions yeah. here. Wow. Manipulated, yeah, right? Then we're back again to yeah. just being manipulated. Just It reminds me of the fake social media accounts that plagued the last election cycle and probably the ones before where it's just different people it's people pretending to be people that we as voters would listen to and yeah. they're not actually those people they're actually sitting in a room together posting as different people trying to sway how people think about something yeah. and that is just going to be on steroids in the next yeah. election I'm really thankful that on, at least on Twitter, that the bots have been put a little bit more under control by making everybody pay to access it. Cause that obviously yeah. reduces the number of bots substantially and it makes it a little bit better quality. You can trust it a little bit more than say like a Facebook or anybody who hasn't attacked the bots as much. But I would say bots are one of the biggest issues yeah. with with our social media world today, if everybody was verified, and I guess this is the web three thing, but if everybody was verified and you knew they were people, you knew they weren't bots, that would be a better situation. Even if it was anonymous, just having people's actual opinions out there rather than all this influence, it's like influencing operations and AI can be used for that. Would you say though, like even a person who's campaigning to be on a board, like potential politician, if you will, like, when you think about how people are influenced and when you need them to rally around a particular, I don't want to say agenda because that that's your agenda, but they are rallying around it. The internet has this way of um, doing this thing when somebody shares an opinion and even, you know, people not of power. I'm just talking about random people too. If you have an opinion and a lot enough people resonate with that opinion, 
for some reason, it becomes fact. And that's a scary thing because, well, it's not scary. It's just, it shows you the power of how like thoughts and and hive minds can come together just based off of a single thought. And it causes people to create certain things. There was a very scary group that I was in, not scary group, but they showed me this example of how they were in a chat room and how Twitter has their speak speaker things. There was a bot in there. And this guy who was hosting was like, he's not a bot. He's my friend. Like we've been talking for like months. He's got kids. I've heard him like in a car before. Da, da, da. He's no, that, that thing is a bot. The person in the room was telling him that's a bot. And he just wow. asked him, he said, Hey, are you a bot? And he actually deflected and then answered. And he was like, I'll need some time to answer that question or something like that. And I thought it was, the guy was just trolling. No, this thing was a bot. This thing was out. He had a business. He was out here taking money from people like actually. Prom- and it was just wow. like, okay, this is a scary part of AI to go and make money, to go and take money from people. Like there are, I don't know who's able to do this and, and what kind of things that they had to program. But the fact that this can be done now brings us into a whole new world of what's really possible and who are the people who are using AI in this way that we wouldn't even know. I was watching something by Joe Rogan and it was Joe Rogan on the screen. And then I noticed like he was talking and it sounded like him, but his mouth did something that wasn't what what I was listening to. And it started, I started noticing and I was like, oh my gosh, is this a fake video? And then I don't know, like I put it through this sampler that I have and um, Microsoft is coming up with something to like something real face. I think this was called to detect if a video is just AI or not real. And I was like, this is scary because I know a lot of people listen to Joe Rogan or even think of people like Andrew Tate, where some of their viewpoints were very controversial. Now, think of somebody who just resonated with that a lot and just decided to put fake videos of them saying very even more heinous things out there, or even as a potential politician or politician elect right now. You're right. The next election, we could see videos of people who want a particular president for our country, we can just see videos of all the opponents just saying just ridiculous things. And we have to question whether or not now we're having, we're spending time deciding on the validity of a video instead of focusing on who should be our next president. And now our focus is completely different. That's actually one of the few good things I've seen come out of AI. And let me explain why. Now that now we really can no longer tell what is real and what is fake. Anything yeah. can be fixed. You got lucky that you found it. Technically, the videos are like still, you can tell, but five years from now, it's going to be completely indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. And the, the benefit of that is that it forces us to think. It forces us to critically process what we're watching and ask, does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Because the videos that are faked, they're not actually going to make sense. They're, they're intended to trick people who are easily influenced. That's like a common thing with scams. When you see a scammer email, it'll have certain typos in it. And you might think, this person is so bad at scamming. Look at all these typos. I can clearly tell it's not from American Express or something. But they're actually doing that on purpose because they don't want the people who critically think. They want the people who will see a letter from American Express with typos and say, eh, whatever, or they don't even notice. That's the target that they want. So with AI, it's forcing people to think, is this real? Is this fake? I think that that's ultimately a good thing for us to have to do in a world where things can be faked, right? If if the world, it's not beneficial if there's no fake stuff out there, but I like that. I like that it forces me to think, is this makes sense? Does this make sense based on what I know about this person? Or, and the things that are faked are probably going to be really out there. I doubt it's going to be like, Joe Biden saying his favorite ice cream is chocolate instead of vanilla. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be like, we just declared war on North Korea today, like something crazy. And then people like us who are aware of the faking will be like, (laughs) like, I don't think so. I don't think this actually happened. I I think this is fake. And then other people will be like, oh my God, we're in a war. And whatever that drives them to do. So it's scary to think about what will happen. 
and whatever that will drive them to do. That's the part there. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't underestimate the average American. <laughs> I, don't, I don't underestimate it. I feel like this is a land where we learn how to protect ourselves. And I'm not even just talking about just firearms and things like that. I, I think with our minds, there's such a, a variation of the level of awareness here in this country where you have countries like Korea that everybody's level of awareness is dialed into the same frequency. So this is what we believe. This is what you guys do. This is what you can and cannot do here in this country. This is and Americans. If somebody has a particular thought process, they have the right to pursue whatever that thought process leaves them, leads them to pursue. And so when it comes to creating things, even the video that I'm talking about, it actually wasn't a still, they took a, an interview from him of him talking. So it looked like it was in real time. And Joe Rogan talks like this, like into the mic. So you don't really see it. So it wasn't until he came from behind the mic a little bit. And I think there was some words that just weren't matching up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is a video of Joe Rogan with an AI. Probably 11 Labs is really good at AI voices, making them sound like super, super natural. And if you just have a thing that you can do to plug ChatGPT up, get Eleven Labs to read whatever prompt ChatGPT spills out. You can even adjust the sensitivity of like how natural this thing is supposed to sound. It's scary, but thinking about what you want to create based on what you believe here in this country, you'll fight for that right to do. And so that's why I can't underestimate the the average American when it comes to creating things based on what they perceive to be happening. And it's the same yeah. thing as AI. Like you, you prompt AI in a certain way, it perceives that you're asking questions for this particular reason, and it will feed you answers. AI is only going to be as good as the person who's prompting it. But same thing, that we're only going to be as good as the questions we ask ourselves too, and it's going to shape our minds to pursue the things that we perceive to be real as well. I love that. I love that, and and I've loved this whole conversation. I think we've talked about a lot of very interesting topics both philosophy and practical. So I want to thank you, Emmanuel, for joining. This has been such so great. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again sometime soon. Don't tease me with a good time, man. All right, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.